Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for September 27th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news and read a couple letters in the mailbag. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys. Uh, everybody's watching this uh, the Senate hearing. Are you guys watching that today in the background? Uh, I would no. I can't take it. I'm uh, seeing live tweets of it, and that's bad enough. Everything is bad right now, and I'd like it to stop being bad. Yeah, I'm already seeing it through Twitter. I'm kind of avoiding watching it on TV myself because it just makes me depressed and reminds me of day- my days working at a political magazine. So that was not fun. Yeah, and you worked at a right-leaning political magazine. I, did. I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm also just seeing it through Twitter, and I even that is more than enough. Uh, so you know what? Let's get into some happy film news <laughs> instead. Let's uh, concentrate. Oh, by the way, I, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but uh, Tom Hanks. They released a photo of Tom Hanks as Mister Rogers for the upcoming movie. Uh, we had that up on the site, but that. Uh, can bring some joy to your day 
Uh, but let's jump into the film news. Uh, let's start off with uh, who is replacing Burt Reynolds in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, Bruce Dern is taking over for Burt Reynolds. Bruce Dern is, of course, a uh, a very well known actor. He's been acting for many, many years, and he was um, he worked with Tar- Quentin Tarantino before in The Hateful Eight, and now he's taking over the role of George Spahn, who is um, who was a rancher who lent his his ranch to Charles Manson and his family in in the '60s, and of course, Burt Reynolds was originally cast in this part, but he died before he could shoot any scenes. I mean, not that we want to see Burt Reynolds uh, replaced by anybody. I mean, not that we had the choice, but I feel like if they were going to replace him with anybody, uh, Bruce Dern is one of the best choices. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on No, it's, yeah, Bruce Dern. I mean, this is going to be a character who's, you know, an old sort of crazy man, and Bruce Dern excels at playing those parts now in this part of his career. So I have no doubt he's going to do a great job. Yeah, and if you haven't been following the casting for this film, Chris has a great write-up on the site where he goes through like almost the entire cast and explains who they're playing, what kind of roles they play. So if you want to see, you know, this is a huge ensemble cast, and I'm just so excited uh, to see this film eventually. Uh, H.G., do you have any thoughts on Bruce Stern replacing Burt Reynolds? Uh, I think, yeah, this is a great choice. I agree with both of you. He is phenomenal in Nebraska, which was actually the first uh, movie I'd seen with him recently that in, he was, in which he was a lead role. He'll be playing a supporting role again in this film, but I think he's a great character actor. For sure. Uh, you know, we like to talk about movie pass here on the uh, Slash Film Daily. So, uh, you know, it seems like things are not uh, going well for that company lately. And now we have uh, learned that the downloads for the movie pass app have dropped dramatically hd what do we know yes yeah, so the first time downloads for the movie pass app used to be it's one sort of uh shining save savior because it was getting so many new subscribers up until this past june which was when they implemented their uh surge pricing um feature which ended up being phenomenally unpopular and, and kind of was the first um the beginning of the end for movie pass and which later in, in July, they end up going bankrupt temporarily and having to shut down <laughs> temporarily. So it's just been all downhill from there. And according to a report from sensor tower store intelligence data, uh, the first time downloads for movie pass have plummeted by 76% over just the last three months. So there are uh, 76% less people downloading uh, and installing movie pass for the first time. Uh, this is basically um, the peak was at, at three, 30, oh, sorry, 330,000 new app, down, app downloads in June, and then that dropped to an estimated 80,000 in August. That is a huge drop, and I know MoviePass isn't saying what their subscriber numbers are now, because you usually only release those press you know releases when you're doing well like you know amc a list just released a you know a press release of how many subscribers they have uh but you know judging by these app downloads that that can't be good if it if they're if they are even you know seeing a a drop in significance of of this like a 75 percent drop in subscribers that's huge uh which uh, we were talking about the halloween movie which is hitting theaters uh this later this month and it turns out that they uh, we could be getting a halloween tv series as well chris what do we know 
Um, yeah, so about two years ago, uh, Malik Akkad, who is one of the producers of the um, Halloween franchise, hinted that there was a, a good chance a Halloween TV show could happen. And at the time, he said it was going to be something like a limited TV series. And obviously, that never happened. And since then, the Halloween, the new Halloween movie has been made, and that's coming out. But now that that's almost out, he's once again saying um, there's still a chance the TV show could happen. He doesn't really say this time what the show would be, but he does say they're they're seriously considering it, and it would feature michael myers in some capacity so you know this is all very vague of course but he he does say this is something they're seriously considering now you're a big fan of this franchise i'm, I'm kind of curious what you think a halloween tv series could even be because you know i know there's not a lot of horror tv series out there i know freddie had one that was kind of laughable back in the day uh didn't did they have a jason one uh, there was a show called Friday the 13th, but it had nothing to do with uh, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a Scream TV series on MTV, which I couldn't get into, but a lot of people I know love. Um, wh- wh- what do you think they can do with a Halloween series on, on TV? I really don't know. You know, you know, I wasn't a fan of the Scream series, but a Scream series sort of makes sense because, you know, at its heart, Scream is a mystery. You know, you don't know who the killer is and you could spend a whole season waiting to find out who the killer is. But, you know, Halloween, you know who Michael Myers is. So I don't really know how you sustain that over a TV series. So I'm skeptical, but I also said this in the write-up. You know, I was really skeptical when they first announced uh, Hannibal. I was like, ugh, we don't need that. But then that ended up being, like, one of my favorite shows of all time. So, I, you know, I don't want to prejudge it, but I am – I don't really know how they're going to make this a show. I mean, I feel like the only way to make it a show is to for it to be about uh, the origins of Michael Myers, which, you know, we've already seen on the big screen to uh, not so great effect. W- what if it is like Scream? It is a killer inspired by Michael Myers in a you know town on Halloween week and there's someone killing with the Michael Myers mask and they have to figure. I mean, I guess that's basically just Scream, right? Like, that's not even Halloween at that point. Yeah, that, that's not yeah. even Halloween at that point. That's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to see what the what the pitch for this TV series is and uh, in what network it would be on because I think that would be, you know, something like this needs to be on, like, premium cable or, you know, like a streaming service or some kind to, to, to be any good because you, you need to get into some kind of graphic violence to have a Halloween TV series. And for our next story, we have the case of a cable or streaming TV series that might have a 20-year time jump for the next season. We don't know which one it is, but we do know that uh, they are considering it. HD, what do we know? Yes. So according to TV Line, there is a report uh, that a popular drama series is looking to shake things up creatively by jumping ahead in time by upwards of two decades. So this is a popular drama series that is only from a cable or streaming entity. So it won't be one of the big five broadcast networks like ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, or the CW. And according to uh, TV so, Line, so basically again, it's probably a good show. Yeah. I mean, you know, these, these networks have good shows too, but it, it's, a, it's a show that will probably be able to afford the budget that would be required of a 20 year uh, time jump because um, TV Line also reports that this will uh, require some facial prosthetics for the characters um, and having the cast members 
quadruple their time in the makeup chair, as they say. So uh, they didn't mention what uh, TV series this was. We have our own theories. I'll list off some of the ones that we talked about. Um, we kind of we talked about The Crown, which already has sort of a built-in decades-long jump into the uh, the narrative. Every season uh, takes place over 10 years and already coming up in the third season, it's going to be 20 years into the reign of Queen Elizabeth. Um, but that doesn't seem likely because we already know that this time jump is happening and uh, it wouldn't require facial prosthetics because they have already cast older actors in these roles. So that might cross it out. Um, another one, this is kind of a joke one that Chris suggested, Stranger Things. Um, which is, you know, the, the cast ain't getting any younger. But um, TV Line also suggested that this could be a time jump that takes place um, in either like flash forwards in which the narrative jumps back and forth between the present and the future or the past and the present, whatever. And maybe with Stranger Things, they could pull an it and have adult characters, older versions of these characters yeah. looking back on their on their wild childhood. Um, another that, that, one. That's something I've actually suggested on the show in the past. And oh. I, would, I would love to see like a late 90s version of these characters, you know, uh, what, 15 years older. So I guess they would mm -hmm. be, what is that, in their mid-20s? Yeah, mid -20s? I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one that you suggested, Peter, was uh, The Walking Dead which had a time jump recently in the comics, but it wasn't as far as 20. But with Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes on his way out, it's possible that Walking Dead could keep lumbering on with a new generation of zombie killers, possibly. And, th and this is one that I um, thought of, which is Game of Thrones for its eighth and or seventh part two final season. Uh, because in A Song of Ice and Fire, the uh, series by George R. R. Martin, he originally intended uh, to have a jump forward after the events of A Storm of Swords, which is the third book, but instead ended up writing out the events um, that would take place in flashback in A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons, the next two books. So that flashback didn't happen, but it's possible the series could execute his original plan and do a 20-year time jump. Yeah. A lot of these are good ideas. One, one of my, the first ones that came to my mind was Westworld. Because, you know, that show is just kind of crazy like that, that they could, you know, do a 20 year time jump. But the the problem with that is like all the characters, you know, a lot of the characters in Westworld are robots, so mm -hmm. they don't really need to age in any way. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they could even do that in Westworld. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I mean, I, I should also mention that Mike Asiello, uh, you know, used to work for Entertainment Weekly and he, he's a good source in the TV uh, news realm. So I, I do think that this is happening. Uh, Chris, any theories? No, I mean, pretty much everything that was just said is, is would be, you know, on my list of theories. So I, it's it's hard to say, I you know, I, I feel like we'll know sooner or later since 2019 uh, is, is approaching. So sooner or later, we're going to have to find out. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. It, it's probably going to be some show that none of us even watch. Like one of the many like Netflix or Hulu shows out there that like just is on and is consumed by someone, but just not us. Um, but let's, uh, moving on, let's, let's talk about um, the evolution of TV and how everything is, you know, they're having streaming services for everything. You know, Disney is launching a streaming service. There's a DC streaming service. And now Jeffrey Katzenberg is launching a streaming service called New TV, which sounds very interesting to me. Uh, Chris, tell us about it. 
Yeah, so New TV is going to offer short-form programming. Uh, it'll either be 10 minutes or less, and you can either pay $5 a month or $8 a month for it, depending on if you want uh, ads or not. And Wait, wait. As of now- so if I paid $5 a month and I got ads, yes. where would the ads be? Would they be at like the five-minute mark of a 10-minute episode? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like in between episodes, but I don't know how that would work because people could only watch one thing. So I really don't know how they're going to fit these ads in. I, I, I guess it could be before. It could be a pre-roll is what they call it in the yeah, business. Yeah, because Hulu does that now where there are ads before stuff starts. So it, it, it is probably that. There's probably like a, an ad before it starts. Um, and as of now, the only thing in development is a Sam Raimi series called uh 50 states of fear and the story states there's no information about this at all um there is a book by eg foley called 50 states of fear so it could be an adaptation of that it's like a it's for young readers and it's about um you know paranormal stories that take place in all 50 states so it's very possible that's what that is but we don't really know for sure okay so so i guess what's interesting to me about this story and by the by the way, before I start saying what's interesting to me, I don't think this is going to take off in any way because I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to pay you know five or eight dollars a month for ten minute episodes. <laughs> I, uh, but, um, but I do think that like y- you know, Chris, we were talking the other day about how TV shows doing you know episodes of di- varying lengths and the stories could be don't always have to be confined to you know a 60 minute time slot you know that you know you could do varying lengths i, I think it would be interesting to see you know filmmakers of good quality like sam Raimi, uh you know and i think they're gonna have to hire quite a few people like this and also get some ip to uh, you know like from disney or something like that to get people interested um but i think it'd be interesting to see what they can do in like a shorter time slot like i i remember as a kid i used to like watching um uh serials like the old serials like dvd uh, dvds of the old serial kind of stuff like uh where they would show it before a movie and it would always be like you know with the cliffhanger at the end and then the next episode would be how the person got out of the cliffhanger and they were they were very relatively short i could see like if a good filmmaker uh doing something like that you know and like you know you could produce five episodes you know, and have those episodes air every day. So there's more, um, I guess, retention of a user rather than putting, you know, everything online at once. So they, like, you keep on coming back every day to see, you know, how the story progresses. And that, that, that would be the equivalent of having one episode a week, right, of a normal TV show. So, Chris, tell me how I'm wrong. No, I mean, what you said, what you said makes sense. I just, I don't know. It seems so weird to me, like 10 minutes or less. Just, you know, I mean, I know there are short movies and short films that are that long and they often work, but I don't know. I think it's like the payment that's throwing me off. Like I could imagine watching 10 minute movies on YouTube for free, but I don't want to pay like $5 a month for that. You know, that seems excessive you know not that i'm against paying people for entertainment because you know it's a job and people you know artists deserve to be paid but i don't want to do it so i don't know well well, well, there's also like it it is also maybe uh you know as uh we we have millennials 
supposedly have shorter attention spans. And, uh, you know, there, there's honestly networks that already do this. Like, uh, what, Comedy Central does, like, like some 15-minute things? Like, uh, isn't Children's Hospital, like, a shorter, ser- like, episode length? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I Yeah? I think you're right, yeah. Um. So, you know... I, I guess I was trying to tee this up in in in, in a uh, intentionally insulting way to a resident millennial. <laughs> I was about to say, as a resident millennial, yeah. I'm not opposed to this format, but I'm on the same boat as Chris as paying five dollars a month for this seems excessive. But I will say that I have you know I've watched several shows uh, in quotes on YouTube like BuzzFeed Unsolved, for example, that sometimes go between 10 to 20 minutes. And I really enjoy them. And I'm a very ardent followers of those kind of series. So if they have something that really appeals to me, maybe $5 is a lot. It's more, well, no, that's pretty, one of the cheaper, I guess, on the on the spectrum of um, subscription services. But it just yeah. doesn't seem like you're getting your bang for your buck. They, they would have to have a lot of content. But I, I could mm-hmm. totally see if they had like, you know, if David Fincher came in and was g- going to do, you know, 10 minute long episodes of something. And he's like, you know, this this project, you're going to be able to watch 10 minutes every day for three months, uh, every weekday for three months. And that, that that's very feasible. That's like the production schedule of like a normal show. I could see myself paying the five bucks. But uh, I, I think you would need someone. You know, I keep on using David Fincher as the example because I think he's like, you know, the example for me. Like, if <laughs> Fincher was interested, I would, I would, I would be curious enough. Um, well, Christopher Nolan definitely would never do this service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the, what comes of this and what. Uh, you know, they're going to have to get some interesting names, and I think they're also going to ha- have to get some interesting IP. Chris, you mentioned, I think, in the article that. They have a deal alongside a bunch of uh, networks and companies. Uh, yeah, they have a bunch of um, investors from uh, uh, backers like Disney, 20th Century Fox, regular Fox, NBC, Sony, Lionsgate. So all these people are backers of the project. So it is possible they could uh, end up contributing uh, content to this platform. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've already seen Marvel is doing like a Wolverine podcast that they have like a serialized story podcast. Maybe there could be something like that on this network, although I don't know why Disney would want to help another network. I guess they they partially own it. So, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on this. And if anything cool is announced, we'll tell you about it here and on the site. Uh, but let's get to uh, our last story before the mailbag. And that is that they uh the trailer for X-Men Dark Phoenix uh hit the web last night. Uh this is the Simon Kinberg uh directed film. This is his feature directorial debut. Um and I saw this last night guys and uh you know this is not a movie I was looking forward to. We've heard about the production problems that the extensive reshoots uh you know, uh, the last X-Men film wasn't uh, well-received. And Simon Kinberg, as much as he is uh, a good writer and producer, I guess that may be questionable, um, you know, giving him this big of a project as a feature directorial debut, uh, you know, had a lot of people skeptical. But seeing this trailer, I was actually kind of impressed. It, like, it, it seemed bigger scale and 
more well directed than I was expecting. I guess that's a backhanded compliment. Uh, but uh, HC, what did what did you think? Yeah, I was very apathetic towards this movie. I actually had not yet seen X Men Apocalypse, and from what I've been told, I shouldn't. Um, and I I do like Sophie Turner actually, and so I was interested to see how she would pull off a meaty role as this. Although most of the shots that we see in this trailer are just of her crying a lot. So, but I I was impressed by the directorial vision of Simon Kimberg. Like you said, there were some shots in here that were really stunning, especially the more cosmic shots. I was really impressed by that because, um, especially in the scene where. And this isn't a spoiler because it happens in the trailer. Uh, the mysterious cosmic force engulfs um, uh, Jean Grey. It's just beautifully, uh, like beautifully made in effects and everything. It's just and it's a great shot. And I wonder. I hope that like maybe that's a signifier for this film being at least looking good. Um, so I. I probably am the same level of excitement before. I'm intrigued. Um, I probably will go see it in theaters. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, <laughs> I think it could be good. And you did a uh, trailer breakdown for this trailer. So like, if you you want to uh, dig into all the uh, nerdy details, you can yes. read that on the site, and I'll link it I in the show notes. I may or may not have solved the mystery of whose funeral it is. Hmm. So if you want to find out. Uh, go quick and read that. Chris, I know that you are, you know, not a fan of the last X-Men movie, to put it uh, lightly. Oh, well, I, I've solved whose funeral it is, too. It is mine because I died of boredom. <laughs> I just, I don't, enough with this series. This is like the 12th X-Men movie and like only like two of them are good. Just stop. <laughs> this is like the last gasp. You know, Disney's eventually going to take over. Like, I can't believe all these actors are still doing it. Like, Jennifer Lawrence is so bored with this series. I can't believe, I mean, they must be paying her so much money because in the last two movies, she seemed so bored with everything she's doing. And, you know, Michael Fassbender does his best, I guess. So does James McAvoy, but they all just seem like they're cashing a check. And this, this, I just, I don't care enough with the series. Just <laughs> enough. Okay, let, let let me play devil's advocate here. Uh, you know, the last few, last couple films were directed by, by Brian Singer, who notoriously didn't give a crap about anything. It was, you know, uh, by some accounts, not even on set for you know the making of his films. Uh, you know, this film is by someone that seems to care. You know, the last person that we had that I think cared about the X-Men franchise that directed a movie was Matthew Vaughn and that uh, first uh, X-Men first class. Uh, could it be like, you don't think with the the new blood in here that maybe it could be good? I don't know. Maybe, but it's like the same writer as X-Men, the last stand, which told like the same exact story, which just seems like a mistake. Like, why would you get the same guy to write the same script again? Just with younger actors. I don't know. I'm sure everyone's going to tell me I'm being too negative and <laughs> I don't care this time. This looks bad and I don't want to see it. Okay. I think we'll take that cue to move on to the mailbag. Uh, we have a <laughs> couple letters here. Uh, the first, of which is from Maria H. She writes in 
that uh, she's interested to know if anyone on the podcast has been watching Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan on Amazon and what their take is on it. Uh, quote, I'll confess that I binged it last night and found it excellent. The storyline is very today and extremely compelling. Think Homeland season one. Uh, sorry, the rest are trash. So I, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast. I watched the first episode at Comic-Con, and I had a reaction on an earlier version of this podcast. But I was actually surprised that it wasn't as bland as I think most of the marketing <laughs> makes it out to be. I, I'm not sure, you know, Homeland Season 1, that was very compelling. And this does, didn't seem to be on that level. But, uh, Chris, you watched, um, I think, like the first half of the season? Yeah, I watched most of the first season for the review because I was given um, screeners. Uh, I think it's better written than I was expecting it to be, but the direction is really, uh, I said this before, but it's really like point and shoot and a lot of like medium shots. There's nothing really, it, it looks like a like an NBC drama. It doesn't look like stuff from, you know, the quote unquote peak TV era. And, you know, Amazon dumped a lot of money into this. I, I was expecting more return on their investment and it just it just looks kind of shoddy to me so it looks more cbs than netflix is what you're saying um i don't know yeah, basically what, what do you think of her comparison to homeland season one did you watch the first no season i never one? actually got into Homeland. i by the time you know i heard everyone say homeland season one was great and then ever since then every season has been a disaster so i never yeah. wanted to really get into it I love Homeland season one and her comparison to, to that makes me want to actually give Jack Ryan a chance, but there's just so much stuff to watch. HG, you, you haven't watched Jack Ryan yet. Have you? No, but my dad has, and he gave it two <laughs> thumbs up. I feel like a lot of dads have watched Jack Ryan. Yeah. This is a dad series to be sure. Not that other people can't enjoy it, but definitely appeals to um, dads. I think. Yeah, I, I think Maria is definitely not a dad, so and, and she seemed to enjoy it. Uh, let's go on to our second question in the mailbag. Uh, Jason from Kuwait writes in uh, that he has been hearing us discuss uh, topics such as the difference between seeing movies at home and in the theater, motion blurring, and adding uh, reference photos to new TVs. So he, it got hit him thinking uh, that we've never actually explicitly said how we watch things at home, what our viewing setups are at home. And uh, w he wonders what you and the gang all currently use at home to view the majority of your TVs, TV shows slash movies. So, uh, you know, let's start with HT, who I, I'm sure she's millennial, so she's watching stuff on her phone and maybe an I'm iPad, I'm not watching right? on my phone. I actually – and my <laughs> iPad is too old to really carry any TV shows for an intense amount of time before, like, exploding. I watched it on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> and my computer works fine. Uh, wait, wait. So you don't watch any movies on a TV of any kind? Oh, actually, I do watch movies on our TV – occasionally and then it's also kind of an older tv that i got hand me down from my parents so it doesn't have all the fancy motion blurring or different modes <laughs> you, you don't need um, motion blurring it's, it's okay. I, don't, I definitely don't need motion blurring because it's it's awful for any movies that you watch so i do watch things on a smaller like flat screen tv that is a little bit older i think it's maybe like five years old so it hasn't been installed with all of those modes yet so i've been saved by that because of, I just have hand-me-down technologies. I mean, I think that's the most millennial thing, not to have the newest <laughs> stuff, just to have hand-me-down stuff and, like, just 
you know, bootstrap stuff, I guess. So I, I got to ask, how big is this TV? Is it like a 30-inch TV? Is it bigger than that? How big is 30 inches? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, I so like, yeah. Yeah, about, it's a smaller TV, definitely. Um, it's bigger than my computer screen. Yeah. Um, I will say that, yeah. Chris, sorry, I can't give like better answers. No, no, that's fine. I don't even know how to, uh, how big my screen is, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, Chris, you notoriously talk about how you would rather watch things in your in in the comfort of your own home than go to the cinema. So, how how do you watch most of your things? Uh, I watch everything on a TV. I, I could never like every once in a while if I have to like if I'm traveling, I'll watch something on like my iPad, but Beyond that, it's it's almost always it's pretty much always on a TV. I have a TV in my office, and I have a TV, you know, obviously in in the living room. And they're both I don't know what size they are. They're both a fairly good size. Do you, uh, so? You, do you have like a 4K television or? No, I don't have that yet. I want to get one. I have yet to upgrade, and um, sooner or later I will. Maybe maybe when Black Friday rolls around for Christmas time, I'll I'll treat myself. Do you you watch a lot of uh, discs? Do you watch that on a like standalone Blu-ray player, or do you have like a PlayStation? How does that? No, yeah, I have a I have just a regular Blu-ray player. Yeah, um, I have uh, two projectors. I have one in my living room and one in my bedroom. Uh, the one in my living room, I, uh, my living room gets a lot of light. It's a loft, and uh, basically, I can't watch anything in my living room until it gets to be like sundown so 6 or 7 p.m depending on you know the, the time of year and uh that screen i i have a lot of room so i have a projector that like it's like 150 inch screen uh my screen is currently broken and cannot go back up so i'm trying to find someone to fix that uh but in my bedroom where is where, where i watch anything if it's during the daytime, I'm in my bedroom on my bed watching uh, it being projected from above my head. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous that one of these days, like there's a shelf I bought from Ikea that I put my projector on in my bedroom. That one of these days, like an earthquake's going to happen and like the projector is just going to come slamming down on my head and like break open my skull because <laughs> it's like a heavy projector. Um but that day has not happened yet, uh, and I project that on my other wall in my my bedroom, and that's probably like, you know, I've never measured it, but probably like 80, 90, 100 inches. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm obviously overcompensating for something here. but uh... <laughs> so, so maybe I'm in the more minority, but I don't like having my TV in my bedroom. I like to have uh, my room at least devoid of those distractions, at least. I have my TV in my living room, uh, and that's where I like watch on, on the things on the TV but sometimes if I'm like relaxing in my room I will just watch things on my computer uh, which I know goes against like having a TV in your room at the same time but uh, I've I've always grown up not having a TV in my room so I just kind of like to have that separation yeah and I, I know Brad isn't on this uh, particular podcast but I know that he often watches like movies and shows in the background while he works in his bedroom which I can't even imagine like I, I can only keep my my mind on one thing at once but like you know he's he he constantly just has movies on in the background and i i just could, 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 do you guys ever do that or sometimes i've actually been watching doctor who while working a little bit but these are all episodes that i've seen before 
And usually I can put it like on really low volume or mute it if I get distracted or just like pause it. Sometimes you need to be like in the zone, but otherwise like I like to work without something on in the background. No, I, I, I can't do that because I get distracted. Like if, if I'm, if I have like a movie on while I'm working, I just end up stopping and watching the movie, which is not good for productivity. So I don't do that. <laughs> I also don't have 4k because projectors are really with 4k are really expensive. And as much as it sounds like I have like a sweet, like home theater setup with these projectors, uh, both of the projectors I own, I think are like, were like a thousand dollars. So they're not like you know, top of the line Sony projectors or like, you know, Ben Q's that I was able to get at Fry's on a, you know, on clearance at a good deal. Um, but I highly recommend if you're out there and you, and you want to experience uh, the big screen in your home, uh, you know, look into getting a projector because you can literally, if you have a white wall or I actually, my wall is gray and I can compensate for that uh, with in, in the settings of the projector, you can literally just point it at a wall and have like a huge screen that you could never otherwise, uh, you know, own in a physical sense. And uh, I don't know. I love it. Um, someday I, I do want to have the 4K because I do, as much as I feel like the 4K TVs, when you get like a 60 inch 4K TV, I don't think you can notice the difference at the, the regular uh, distance that you're supposed to be away from the TV. But um, I do think, you know, in my setups, you know, with my 150 inch screen that uh, I, I would d- probably definitely notice the the 4K improvement. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Chris, anything else we should know about your home theater setup? Uh, if anyone wants to send me a 4K TV <laughs> or a 4K Blu-ray player, uh, please email me or hit me up on Twitter. I, I'd gladly take a free one. Me too. Yes, HT2. <laughs> me first. It sounds like HT needs a new iPad as well. So if you if you have one, <laughs> send it to HT, courtesy of, I don't know. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Home Daily. Uh, you can find more on all the stories we talked about today on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. HT, where can we find you online? You can find me uh, every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBui. Chris, where can we find you? I'm also at SlashHome.com, and I'm on Twitter at Evangelista 413 And that, that's how people can get you this TV, this 4K TV, right? Yes, absolutely. My DMs are open. <laughs> okay. Uh, Home Daily is published every weekday on SlashFilm.com alongside all the popular podcast networks, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify. Uh, please send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. Your letter could end up in the mailbag like uh, the two letters today. So that's Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please leave your name and general geographic location in the email in case we mention it on the air. And if you can take a minute, go to iTunes, go to the podcast page for this for this podcast and write a positive review that helps us out. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. See, now I'm just picturing HT like watching all the movies on like how big is your computer screen? Oh, my computer screen. Oh, no, yeah, my yeah. computer screen is only 15 inches. <laughs> uh it's small. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't watch everything on my computer screen, but I watch a lot of it on it. You know, I once heard this theory that um, I forget who said this. And so I'm basically 
uh, plagiarizing someone else's thoughts here, but um, <laughs> that the content we watch is in relation to how far we we uh, are how far we are from the screen that we watch it on. So people watch YouTube videos on their phone because their phone is like so close to them and small. Uh, so that's like, you know, five to 15 minutes. And then on your computer, you could watch, you know, a little bit longer Then a TV is, you know, you're further away. It gets a little bit bigger and you're watching, you know, 30 to hour long episodes. And then you go to the movie theater and you're watching, you know, 90 minutes to three hour long movies. I'm not sure what I'm what I'm trying to get to get across here, but uh, it seems like uh, I guess what I'm saying is HT's uh, the way she views things is puts this uh, theory to uh, it just throws the theory out the window, basically. <laughs> I I appreciate everything regardless of what medium I watch it on, but I do enjoy the big uh, experience of the movie theater it surrounds you. Just know that Christopher Nolan will be rolling around in his grave someday thinking of you, HD. 